end of the day, we are gathered together to honor the best and the brightest. And tomorrow, the fashion police will report on your dress and who wore it the tightest. If you win, have the time of your life. Tell your manager, dad, and your mom, thanks. Hi to your kids and your husband or wife, maybe just for the hell of it, Tom Hanks. Nothing is bigger and better than seeing a veteran get an ovation. Or seeing a brilliant beginner freak out on a win on their first nomination. There's a kid in the middle of nowhere who's sitting there living for Tony performances, singing and flipping along with the Pippins and Wickets and Kinkies, Matildas and Mormonses. So we might reassure that kid and do something to spur that kid. Because I promise you, all of us up here tonight, we were that kid. And now we're Cinderella sisters celebrating ladies grab a fella The tempo is accelerating Spidey, Pippin, Motown, Phantom, Kiki, Rock of Ages Chicago, bring it on a Christmas story sharing stages Mama, me and Ryan, King of Jersey Boys are tired, Kathy Lee's a Broadway lyricist So anything can happen Bigger, New York is bigger So welcome to our bigger, better, best of Hi, this is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and Austin Paul here with the Lake and South Show. Stay tuned. This is Tad Stones. Hello, this is Jim Cummings. I'm calling to say hello to my close personal friends, Blake and Sal. This is Eva Lee, aka the bad bitch in the building. Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, of course we are. It's the Blake and Sal Show, and don't forget to remember to tune in and watch it with your ears. Pretty cool. Stay tuned or you might get DQ'd. And you are listening to The Blake and Sal Show, the most dangerous podcast on the internet. Far out! And I'm not even supposed to be here today. And you are listening to The Blake and Sal Show, of course. Unfortunately, Sal wasn't here when I recorded this. So, Blake, you're the best. Gorge! Blake! Without Sal is like the turkey without the stuffing and you can't break tradition. Dear Evan Hansen, we've been way too out of touch. Things have been crazy and it sucks that we don't talk that much. But I should tell you that I think of you each night. I rub my nipples and start moaning with delight. Why would you write that? I'm just trying to tell the truth. This needs to be perfect. These emails have to prove that we were actually friends. Just, I'll do it. I gotta tell you, life without ya has been hard, hard. has been bad, bad, has been rough, kinky. And I miss talking about life and other stuff. Very specific. Shut up. I like my parents. Who says that? I love my parents, but each day's another fight. If I stop smoking drugs, then everything might be alright. Smoking drugs. Just fix it! If I stop smoking crack. Crack? If I stop smoking pot, then everything might be alright. I'll take your advice. I'll try to be more nice. I'll turn it around. Wait and see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 166 of the Blake and Sal Show. I'm Mike. Sal is not here this week. He is off, and I'll explain why in a second. Today, as the background music is sincerely me from Dear Evan Hansen, I am here, and I'll have a special guest host in a couple of minutes to preview and analyze the 2017 Tony Awards. I have been waiting four years of podcasting to say that. But yes, this is that week. Big show. Um, Tony Awards are this Sunday, but I'll get into all that. I'll be enjoying the song in the background. Um, I just want to get through our spots and our commercials and everything else, and then we'll get right into the show. First of all, help support the show by shopping through Amazon links on the Blake and Sal Show.com. 
this week's featured items are the same as last week's because I just didn't think we necessarily change them right now. Newsies, the Broadway musical on Amazon Video with bonus content and Sisterhood of the Square Circle, the history and rise of women's wrestling by Pat Levinson and Dan Murphy are both available at theblakeandsouth.com as well as shopping for graduation and for Father's Day. Please do so at theblakeandsouth.com at the Amazon links at the right column of the page. Hi everyone, it's Mandy, and when I'm not playing Mrs. Blake, or Dean Ambrose's biggest fan, or, spoiler alert, Olga, I can be found on mkemomsblog.com. There are 30 amazing women in the Milwaukee area who make up the MKE Moms Blog team, and we're all passionate about giving back to the community, about life, and loving our families. You can find us over on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, or at mkemomsblog.com. Please check it out and support us. Thanks. Please support us on patreon.com slash Blake and Sal show. This month's show is uh, me and Mark talking about the Broken Hardy's final match on the independent scene at House of Hardcore against Time Dreamer and Bully Ray and the story behind that match. Go to patreon.com slash Blake and Sal show. It is $1 a month and it is a really, really good show. You also get all the previous monthly shows we've done and all the blooper reels and outtakes from all of our shows. Please go over there and support us for $1 a month. And finally, you can find our show. We are now a part of the Club Cape Fabe creative community on Facebook and on the web. Our show is part of that, and if Sal mentioned it last week for the first time, please go support us over there, supporting them, follow them, and in favor of supporting us. So please go follow the Club Kayfabe Creative Community. All right, that's that. Now, <laughs> I'm so excited. Now, let's throw it over to me sitting down to break down the Tony Awards. Matt Temineri from Broadway World. I was born in a Punxsutawney dawn at sunrise on a sunless day. And I learned me a saying that folks round here always say Can, can curse, cast spells or cry Offer your prayers to the unfeeling sky The spring will arrive when the winter is done And if it's not tomorrow, then tomorrow or tomorrow There will be Everybody, as promised, I have a very special co-host today, Matt Tame from Broadway World. Matt, thank you so much for coming on today. No, thanks for having me. Yes, it's a um, big weekend, and I'm actually just going to be completely honest with you. The Tony Awards are this Sunday. CBS, Kevin Spacey at Tony. I'm not watching it live. I hate to admit that as a Tony's guy. I'm watching the Stanley Cup Finals. So I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm a Predators fan. I'm a Predators fan. So I got watching the Stanley Cup Finals. So just being honest about that. This is the second year in a row I'm missing the Tonys. Because last year I was on a Ring of Honor wrestling show. And this year I'm watching the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, it was it's similar. Last uh, this past Sunday was the the Drama Desk Awards, which are like the second biggest awards in the New York theater calendar. And I actually did not watch the live stream because I was watching the NBA Finals. Right. So I understand I have to cover the Tonys, uh, but I, I I opted for 
my Cleveland Cavaliers getting destroyed instead of the drama desks. Yeah, I getcha. Um, another note for those who are listening, we're doing this on Thursday morning. I don't know who wins game five, so don't ask me. I don't know. If you did, it'd be like Back to the Future and oh, we could make a whole lot of money. Oh, hell yeah, that would be great. But anyway, let's get back to what we're talking about. Tony Awards are this Sunday. Um, as I said, Kevin, Sp- Kevin Spacey is hosting. What do you think he's going to do? How do you think he's going to do his host? Um, you know, I think Kevin Spacey is one of those guys that we often think of as being this kind of really stuffy, A-list actor, really serious actor. But when you see him on talk shows, he's he's really kind of goofy, does impressions that I don't think are all that good. But he thinks they're good, So and he has fun doing them. So nothing wrong with that. I'm sure we'll get some impressions. Um, he's not necessarily like the song and dance man, like previous Tony's hosts like James Corden or Neil Patrick Harris or Hugh Jackman, but he's, you know, he played um, Bobby Darren in a movie. So he does a little crooning now and then there's a great video from earlier this spring. I think he showed up at one of J- Billy Joel's uh, Madison square garden concert. So he can sing a little bit and I'm sure we'll get a little bit of that. The, the news is though, that it will be less song and dance focused than it has been in years past. And that decision was actually made before they even settled on Kevin Spacey as the host. The opening from last year's Tony's with James Corden as the host were great. really, really mm-hmm. cool. They were great. And the producers just kind of said, ah, you know, I don't know that we can do anything to beat that, especially since Corden is recording his CBS show in London the same week as the Tony's, so he can't host. So the decision was made before Spacey to just kind of go with a more traditional intro, maybe a monologue rather than a song and dance. I as big of a star as, as Kevin Spacey is, he's a, you know, he's a Tony award winner himself. Um, I'd be surprised if he didn't flex a little muscle and got some song and dance in there. It probably won't be as big as it was with previous hosts, but I'm sure we'll get some. I think he'll be fine. I think he's solid. He's a, he's a theater guy that has deep roots, um, both in Broadway and in the West end. He was the artistic director for a long time over at London's old Vic theater, which is one of the most prestigious theaters in the UK. So he's, he's a guy who, even though we know him as a big time movie star, he is a theater guy through and through. And it also helps to him to have the big name. Cause I know at work, we have CBS Absolutely. a lot for the game shows and I see Kevin Spacey holding the Tony award. That's a big deal to an outside person. So that also helps. That does help things. So, what... Absolutely. I mean, and, it, and what's funny is he's joking around and saying that he was the – it started, like, with the 12th person, yes. and then he said 15th, and then 25th person. They asked, that's probably fair. That's funny. <laughs> Apparently they, they reached out to – yeah, they, they reached out to, like, Tina Fey, who is actually writing a musical that is aiming to be on Broadway next season um, or the season after. She didn't want to do it for whatever reasons. They reached out to a bunch of people. But it's funny to see Kevin Spacey, again, huge A-list star, be really self-deprecating about the fact that he was not the first guy that the the, uh, the the you know the, the theater wing or the Tony Awards or CBS or whoever was coordinating the the search actually reached out to. So that's funny. He's a little self-deprecating. He's a he's a I think a more personable guy than a lot of people expect. Yeah, and it should be a lot of fun. Now, let's get into the awards. We're gonna start on the play side of things because I'm not a big play person. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I didn't see a lot of plays in New York. So you can help me out with this. We'll start with the best play category, A Doll's House Part 2, Indecent, Oslo, and Sweat. What can you tell me who is the favorite for this category? Um, Oslo is the is the favorite. It has so far won um, uh, pretty much all of the play awards, but I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people expect based on that for a couple reasons. One is Oslo is a play about the 1993 Middle East peace talks, um, and it, it centers on a, a married pair of, I think, Danish diplomats who kind of helped negotiate those peace talks. It's by J.T. Rogers. Um, the show originally premiered off-Broadway and at Lincoln Center earlier this season and then transferred to Broadway. Actually, it's in the same building. Lincoln Center has an off-Broadway theater, and then upstairs is the Broadway theater. Um, so it's at the Vivian Beaumont, which is their Broadway house uh, currently. What's interesting about it is is that the show is primarily the exact same. However, when it was off-Broadway, people just absolutely raved about it, talked about how it was one of the best things they'd ever seen. However, when it moved to Broadway, People still loved it, but there seemed to be something missing that going from a smaller house to a larger house um, that, that it got lost in translation a little bit. So as you're seeing some of these awards like the, the Drama Desk Awards and the Outer Critics Awards, which are – they're not necessarily direct indicators for what will happen at the Tonys, but they give you a sense of the lay of the land for things. It's tough to forget that 
these voters might be considering the off-Broadway version more than the Broadway version, and the folks that are considering just the Broadway version might not have reacted to it as well as they might have when it was off-Broadway. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay. The other thing to keep in mind is that um, a, a play which is, I, I guess technically it's a sequel. We don't see sequels in theater nearly I know, as much as we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, 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 don't, we see it all the time in movies, but a play called A Doll's House Part 2 is really making a late charge for, for a number of reasons. This is a play that was not written by the original uh, author of A Doll's House, which was written by Henrik Ibsen um, you know, well over a century ago, and it was really a defining play in um, – in, in a lot of ways because it showed a really strong female character making the decision to leave her husband child behind the, the the original doll's house ends with the the main female character slamming the door and walking away from her family this play a doll's house part two which was written by lucas nath it picks up 15 years later and she walks back in um, to that same door that she closed 15 years earlier. This one uh, stars Laurie Metcalf, who's a multi-Emmy Award winner. It stars Chris Cooper, who's an Academy Award winner. Jane Howdy-Shell, who won a Tony last year. And uh, Tony uh, nominee Condola Rashad, the daughter of Felicia uh, Rashad, is in it as well. All four of those actors are nominated for their roles this year, which is pretty cool because they're the only four actors in the entire show. This one has gained a lot of momentum because it started out with just abysmal box office grosses like coming in at, at like $90,000, which is, I mean, it's just awful for an entire week on Broadway, uh, you know, especially when you think like Hamilton is bringing in over $3 million a week, but it's slowly That's not fair. Grown. That's not a fair comparison. No, it's not. A, I mean, it's obviously it's apples to oranges when you're talking about a big Broadway musical to a four-person play, um, but it's, it, you know, it, it does give you a little bit of sense of the scope as to how poorly it was doing, but it's slowly gained as the reviews came out and they were really strong. Um, and it started to do really well at the box office. In fact, it was originally scheduled to close its limited run in July, but just this week it announced an extension that will actually run through January 8th, which is something That's that good was – That's good. Yeah, it was, it was actually something that was done last year by uh, the same producer. One, The producer who is producing Adult House Part Two is Scott Rudin. He did the same thing with his play uh, The Humans, which actually ended up – winning the Tony and then extended into January. Um, it actually had to change theaters. The Doll's House Part 2 doesn't look like that's going to have to do that. Uh, coincidentally or not, Jane Howdy Shell won a Tony for The Humans as well. So right now, Oslo is probably the front runner, although A Doll's House Part 2 is close behind. Interestingly enough, Sweat, um, which is not considered a, a real contender for this award, it actually won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama this year. Oh, wow. Uh, Decent, and Indecent was another one that was really well-received. So it's interesting that all four of these are very, very well-regarded shows, and I don't think that anyone would be super upset if any of them won. Although, if you're going to put money on it, I would think it would be Oslo with Adult's House Part Two closing quickly. Okay. Okay, how about Best Revival? We have Jitney, The Little Foxes, Present in Laughter, and Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, this is another interesting one. It, it's, it's, it's often said that shows that are no longer open when the Tony Awards happen are at a severe disadvantage. One, because um, a lot of the Tony voters, I mean, a, not a majority, but a, a decent percentage of them do not live in New York City. They are producers from around the country and they come in and try to see a lot of shows in the spring however they obviously try to get to everything to make sure that they you know are able to vote accurately but it's tough when shows have been closed for a while that they don't have that immediate exposure and that front of mind recognition with voters that being said jitney is the only one of these four that is closed however it is one that is very well critically acclaimed and very well thought of and i would think that this one probably has a slight edge, if for no other reason, then it is is the last play of August Wilson's American Century Cycle. Um, if you're a movie fan, you'll know August Wilson's Fences was a huge Academy Award darling last year. And that was part of his 10-place cycle called the American Century Cycle that looked at African-American life in America in every decade of the 20th century. This is not the last one that was written, but it's the last one to come to Broadway. It's had two successful off-Broadway runs, and it's finally on Broadway in the production, which was directed by Ruben Santiago Hudson, who, if you're a TV fan, he was the original chief on Castle, the TV show Castle. Um, But he's probably the front runner for best director of a play, and this one has got a lot of love. Six Degrees of Separation, which is a show that probably a lot of people know more as either a movie or a 
game involving Kevin Bacon. That's probably the <laughs> one of the four that is not a contender in this category, despite having um, Allison Janney in it, John Benjamin Hickey, Corey Hawkins from Straight Outta Compton and 24 Legacy. Um, that was probably the, the, the most outsider. Lillian Hellman's The Little Foxes is is a contender mainly because it has two huge names or two pretty big names in the lead roles. Uh, that's Laura Linney and Cynthia Nixon. They're both nominated for their portrayals. But what's interesting is, is that they're actually alternating roles so that every other show they're playing the two different female characters oh, wow. in the play. Um, they're only nominated for one of them, the, the roles they played on opening night, which apparently from all the reviews of people who have seen both, that's that's right because those are the ones they did the best in but they're alternating roles back and forth so it's 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 pretty interesting and then you've got Kevin Klein in Present Laughter which is an old Noel Coward you know kind of backstage comedy Kevin Klein is a beloved Broadway guy won multiple Tony awards but doesn't come back to Broadway all that often he's kind of he doesn't work all that much I mean to be honest with you he's such a big star both movies and stage he just you know he just does his own thing it doesn't work as much so it's nice to have him back if i had to handicap it i think that jitney because it's an ensemble show and doesn't have the opportunities to win many if any acting awards um one of their actors is nominated but i would think that jitney will win not only for best direction by ruben santiago hudson but i it's close between that and, and some of these other ones but i would put jitney as the favorite in this category uh well, that works. Yeah, I'm looking at the acting and your name, names, and I'm like, these are really big names. The seventies plays, yeah, like they're really, really big names. Like it's crazy when you look at it from that perspective. You know, I yeah, can't absolutely. believe like Kevin Klein and there's Danny DeVito and Nathan Lane, and it's mm -hmm. ridiculous names. Some of these nominations yeah, it, this year. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting about it is is that um, for the most part, the big names are always centered on. Um, on plays that's because you know not every big time a-list actor is a singer as well um, so we do have a lot of, of pretty big names in plays that are nominated you've also got Kate Blanchett right. Sally Field um, you know nominated um, for performances and plays as well um, like you said Tina DeVito Nathan Lane Richard Thomas who was John Boy on the Waltons and also right. on the Americans um, he's in there and you know Cynthia Nixon and, and stuff but you do have a couple pretty big names that are nominated for the musicals, which I'm sure we'll talk about here yes, in a second. Definitely. But you do have a higher concentration of A-list categories than you do in the musical ones this year. Yeah, I, I was actually going to bring up, for me, the toughest category in the acting is actually the leading male in the musical. Leading actor in the musical, I mean. And that's probably, this year, one of the toughest categories. Because it's, yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'll do this one first. It's Christian Boyle from um, Falsettos. What more can I say? How can I express? How confused am I by our happiness? I can't eat breakfast. I barely tie my shoe. What more can I do? Josh Groban, my my wife's favorite people in the entire world, <laughs> for Natasha Pierre in the com the great com eighteen twelve. And for no obvious reason that I can't go on living as I am, the zest of life has vanished. Only the skeleton remains unexpectedly vile. I used to be better, I used to be better, I used to be better. I used to be better, I used to be better, I used to be better. Andy Carl and his injury in Groundhog Day. Never give up hope. Never let yourself be. David I. Pierce in Hello Dolly. I put a penny in my pocket. And in a little time, that penny in my pocket had grown into a dime. 
And in a little longer A quarter jingled out I put the quarter in the teapot And I waited till the teapot had a dollar in the spout I put the dollar in my mattress And had some pleasant dreams Till suddenly my mattress Was bursting at the seams And Ben Platt, everyone's hero, Dear Evan Hansen all we see is sky for forever we let the world pass by for forever feels like we could go on for forever this way two friends on a perfect day yeah, that's a, that's a great category. That's a great I mean, that's category. that's a that's a you know a, a whole lot of great talent. Um, I to be honest with you, I don't think it's that difficult of a category to predict. Um, I think that if Ben Platt does not win, I will be surprised. I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, Andy Carl, who is a another guy who this is his third Tony nomination in four years. He's a guy that Broadway folks love. The fact that he literally completely tore his ACL three nights before opening night um, and then continued. He only missed a handful of shows. He was there for opening night. He's got a huge brace on. Um, that's a, you know, that's endeared him a lot to, to theater folks and a wider audience as well. But I, I will be shocked if that's enough to overcome Ben Platt. Um, Andy Carl did win the Olivier award for when the groundhog groundhog day, the musical was in London. So he does, have plenty of awards recognition for his performance, but he's the only contender to Ben Platt winning this. I would be shocked if Ben Platt doesn't win. Um, but like you mentioned, Christian Borle, um, who's actually nominated for falsettos, but currently playing Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on Broadway. Josh Groban, huge star, um, making his Broadway debut, has just really amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's endeared himself to the Broadway community. Um, and he's a guy who you know, he went to theater camp every summer. This is a, a place where he belongs. And I would imagine that you will not um, have to worry about Josh Groban coming back to Broadway. He will be there uh, many, many times over in his career. David Hyde Pierce, actually, it's interesting because um, the way that the Tonys determine whether or not you are in the lead actor categories or the featured acting categories is just based on opening night billing. And what that means is that on in the playbill, if your name is above the title of the show, you are automatically a lead actor. If it's not, you are considered featured. And then if your producers want to make a change, they have to petition the Tony nominating committee. David Hyde Pierce is currently co-starring in Hello, Dolly! with someone named Bette Midler. Yeah, yeah. And Bette Midler mm -hmm. is the only name above the title. However, David Hyde Pierce, apparently, not for the reasons that would seem obvious, um, wanted to be petitioned for the lead acting category, despite the fact that he probably would have had a better chance to win in the featured acting category. He didn't do this out of ego or wanting to be, I'm the lead. He did it because he's nominated or uh, the, in the show, he co-stars with another man named Gavin Creel, who is nominated in the featured acting category and having two people nominated from the same show splits votes. So he wanted to give Gavin an opportunity to have the best chance to win. He's another former Tony nominee who's never won. Um, so it's actually a, a really nice story. David, Hyde Pierce is obviously won like 107 Emmy Awards for Frasier. He's also got a Tony Award already, so he would just kind of cleared the way a little bit for Gavin. So which that's a that's a nice story. And, and you mentioned it over in the featured actor, it's Gavin Steele. He's Put on your Sunday clothes. There's lots of world out there. Get out the brilliantine and dime cigars. We're gonna find adventure in the In a perfume night where the lights are bright as the stars. He's also facing off against Mike Fast, who's in Dear Heaven Hansen. No one deserves to be forgotten. No one deserves to fade away. No one should come and go and have no one know he was ever even here. No one deserves. To disappear. To disappear. And then there is the falsetto. Yeah, the falsetto split boat with Andrew Reynolds. I don't look for trouble. I do not accept blame. 
I've a good and a bad side, but they're one and the same. Ask me to arouse you, I will rise and obey. These are the games I play. Then Brandon, or how do you spell that? How do you say that last name? Brandon Uranowitz. Yeah, it's Brandon Lucasfilm. I love you, dear. I think you're swell. You're never near me close enough to tell if I'm delightful or not. I crave your wrist. I praise your thigh. There's not a guy. There's not a piece of paper. There's not a man in pants who could love you the same as I. Waiting at the door, waiting at the door, waiting. Waiting at the door, waiting at the door, waiting. How I adore little girls. They lose their heads at once. Writing out the category. Is it between Gavin Creel and Mike Spath at this point? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of people. That, that, like I said, the conventional wisdom is that if two people from the same show are nominated, they split the vote. That's not actually necessarily borne out in, in reality. Oftentimes, if two people from the same show are nominated, the vote congeals behind one person. Um, so I don't know if I would eliminate Andrew Reynolds and Brandon Uranowitz just on the face of the fact that two members of the falsetto cast are nominated i would personally think that gavin creel will win he has been winning most of the awards in this category um in, in the other awards i you know i don't know that that necessarily again translates he did win the drama desk last week um again those are awards that consider both broadway and off-broadway productions and it's their different groups of voters but i would be surprised because of gavin creel's long history as a broadway stalwart that he doesn't win this award. Mike uh, Mike Feist is is another guy who's young. His nomination was a surprise. That that's probably the biggest surprise nomination of any of them. So I don't know that he would win unless there's just a huge wave of support for Dear Evan Hansen. It just starts sweeping everything. Um, but I would I, again, if I'm putting money down, which I am not, that's probably illegal. So I'm not doing that. Don't do that. Um, but <laughs> if I were, I would probably pick Gavin Creel. Yeah. It, uh, it, it... Don't put money down on this. It's too unpredictable times. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, there's actually a conversation going on, on, on my, in the wrestling world that, that in the UK they do betting on wrestling, which I think is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's stupid. Same thing here. Don't do that. <laughs> Just don't. No. No. Best performance by a leading actress in the musical don't don't even talk about it's it. Miller, don't. Right? It's no, there's no competing this way. Yeah. I mean, it's when a man with a timid tongue meets a girl with a diffident air. Why should the tortured creatures beat around the bush when heaven knows Mother Nature always needs a little push? So I put my hand in the ear and I put my hand. You know, she's nominated against some really great talents, um, two Broadway legends who are both two-time Tony Award winners, Christine Eversall. Pink, is that my only claim to fame? Pink, my shot at permanent acclaim. Pink, my legend branded with a rose, immortalized in Patty Lapone. The Daily Press is here to meet my boat. They're simply on the words and you may quote. America, your wait is through. At least my new New York debut. I cannot wait to reinstate myself back on top. Are nominated for the same show. They're they're playing opposite each other in war paint. Then you have two women making their Broadway debuts, Danae Benton and Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812. First time I heard your voice Moonlight burst into the room 
Saigon. I, I'm a huge fan of Eva Noblezada. Um, I've got an episode of, of one of our podcasts coming out on, on Saturday where I talk to her about this whole weird process. But if anybody other than Bette Midler wins, it'll be the shock heard around the theatrical world. Um, there's a little bit of contention because it, it appears that she reports are that she will not be performing at the Tonys. Which so that's sucks. kind of rubbed some people <laughs> the wrong way. But other than that, she's going to win. I mean, it just... Bet your bottom dollar, I guess. She's she's going to win. It's it's funny because she's also one of the people named in that commercial I see on CBS all the time. So yeah. people are expecting well, to see her. She'll be there. She'll present. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she does something. But there's just some I, – I mentioned Scott Rudin, who was the producer of uh, A Doll's House Part 2. He's also the producer of, of Hello, Dolly. He is known for being a prickly guy. He also does a lot of producing for TV and movies. And apparently they couldn't figure out the way to make it work that he was comfortable with to get her to perform a song from the show. So as of now, what we know, she's not going to be performing. Who knows? That could change. But uh, that would be the only thing that might cause some doubt for her winning. But I don't think that's enough. I think she's beloved in this community. And um, I think her performance was well-received as well. So I I would be shocked if she doesn't win. I I absolutely agree. Then over when it comes to featured actress, I do want to read this list because there's a name that here I like. There's Kate Baldwin. Yeah, sorry. Dolly. I didn't mean to interrupt you on your own show. So. No, no, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Kate Baldwin, Hello, Dolly. Making me recall how lovely love can be. J. Block falsettos. I'm breaking down. I'm breaking down. My life is shitty and my kid seems like an idiot to me. I mean that's sick. I mean he's great. It's me who is the matter, talking matter than the maddest tatter. If I repeat one more word, I swear I'll lose my brain. I explain. Oh, yes, it's true. I can cry on cue, but so can you. I'm breaking down. I'm breaking down. Down, down. Jen, come, Coletta from Come from, yeah, come from Away. Sorry. Bay Jones, Fear Heaven Hansen. Say what you need to say so that you get to walk away. It would kill you to have to stay trapped when you've got something new. Well, I'm sorry I had it rough, and I'm sorry I'm not enough. Thank God they rescued you. So you got what you always wanted. So you got your dream come true. Good for you. Good for you. You, you. Got a taste of a life so perfect. And one of my favorite people in the world, Mary Beth Peel. I'm a big Dawson Creek fan, so I'm very happy to see her here from Anastasia. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I love her so much. So <laughs> Yeah, no, Graham is great. Everybody loves Graham. I love her so much. And um I don't see her winning, unfortunately. But <laughs> no. no, but who's winning this one then at least? <sighs> Man, I I don't know. Um, this is one where I could see, other than Mary Beth Peel, I could see any of the four winning um, this award. Again, some of these people like 
Kate Baldwin, um, well, all four of them, actually. Kate Baldwin, Stephanie J. Block, Jen Colella, and Rachel Bay Jones. These are four women who have been doing solid quality work in Broadway musicals for years and none of them have a Tony award. Um, and, and these are people who are beloved in the community. You know, again, you've got the, the scenario with Stephanie J block who was in falsettos that's been closed since January. So does that have some of that recency bias where she's kind of overlooked because she's not able to do her performance in front of voters right now? I don't know. Hello, Dolly, again, like we talked about with Bette Midler and Gavin Creel, and that's probably going to win Best Revival for a Musical. Kate Baldwin's apparently giving a great performance, and it very well could be, you know, swept up in the wave there. I I, I personally feel like Jen Colella is kind of breaking through the most. Come From Away is a very small show that, you know, when it was first announced, no one had any expectations for. It did three different out-of-town tryouts across both America and Canada. And when it came on Broadway, it had very little um, uh, opening. It didn't have any, a whole lot of tickets sold um, ahead of time. But the reviews and the word of mouth have been fantastic. I kind of feel like Jen Colella is having a moment here. So I wouldn't be surprised if it were her. Rachel Bay Jones, again, Dear Evan Hansen, uh, you know, great. Uh, there are some people who think that she probably wasn't the best featured actress in the, in her own show. Thought maybe Laura Dreyfus should have been uh, I was surprised, nominated, actually. But yeah, surprised she wasn't nominated. Rachel Bay Jones is great. So if, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's tough. I, You know, I, I, I would see it coming down to Jen Colella and Kate Baldwin. Wouldn't be upset if either Stephanie J. Block or Rachel B. Jones <laughs> or Mary Beth Peel, for that matter, won. But if, if I had to narrow it down between two, I would say I would probably guess Jen Colella followed closely by Kate Baldwin. All right, then. You mentioned the category. You mentioned who's winning it, but I'm just going to say who's nominated just because it's the <laughs> process. Best Revival of Musical, Falsettos. Four Jews in a room bitching. Four Jews in a room plot a crime. I'm bitching. He's bitching. They're bitching. We're bitching. Bitch, 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 bitch. Funny, 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 funny. Bitch, 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 bitch. All the Hello, Dolly. Saigon. In a life where nothing seems real, I have found you. I have found you. Our lives will change when tomorrow comes. Tonight our hearts drown the beating drums. And we'll have music alright, tearing the night. Our It's funny, I was um, going through music, which I'm going to edit into this show as we're talking, and I was listening to Hello Dolly soundtrack, I haven't listened to that soundtrack in a long time, and I'm like, oh, wait a second, Wally, this isn't Wally, I'm like, oh my god, exactly. it's been a long time, I'm like, why do I, why did this song in my head again, Wally, of course, thank yeah, you, exactly. thank you Disney yeah. for that, but anyway, Hello Dolly's <laughs> winning this category, there's like, there's no doubt. No, there's really not, I mean, like, People loved this revival of falsettos that happened um, this it was last year and then closed at the beginning of 2017. Um, it's not going to win. People don't really love this revival of Miss Saigon. I think it's one of those that was, that's eh, it's pretty much the same production with slightly less production value and in some cases not as much talent. Although I think John John Briones, who plays the engineer, and Eva Noblezada, who I mentioned before, are both phenomenal. Um, yeah. Hello, Dolly's going to win. Just mark it down. Yeah, You can definitely. go to the bathroom. Unless you want to see this speech, you can go to the bathroom during that one because you know what's going to happen. Exactly. Finally, the big one. Best musical. We have Come From Away. Welcome to the rack if you come from away. Huh? You probably understand about half of what we say. Yeah. They say no man's an island, but an island makes a man. Especially when one comes from one like Newfoundland. Welcome to the rack. Dear 
Evan Hansen. On the outside, always looking in, will I ever be more than I've always been? Cause I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass. I'm waving through a window. Oh, I try to speak, but nobody can hear. So I wait around for an answer to appear. While I'm watch, watch, watching people pass. I'm waving through a window. Groundhog Day. And Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Rastva 3! And this is all of your program. You are at the opera. Gonna have to study up a little bit if you want to keep with the plot. Cause it's a complicated Russian novel. Everyone's got nine different names. So look it up in your program. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Da-da-da. 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 And by the way, I feel bad for you, the fact you've had to say that entire name this entire year. Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> Last year, we had um, Shuffle Along of the Making of the Musical Ooh. Sensation of 1928. Good point. So that about, that. about that. And I still remember it. I said it so much <laughs> last year, I still remember it. Um, yeah, and, and what's interesting is that Tasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 has been around for a long time. Um, it's a show that is a best no new musical uh, nominee, but it's been kicking around for a while. It's had two previous new york productions in the past five years one was actually done under a tent one was done what? in a small <laughs> yeah it was done under a tent this show i mean it's very much set it's 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 based on a 70 page chunk of tolstoy's novel war and peace and it has nothing to do with kind of the bigger story it's kind of a smaller story and it was done in a very immersive way it actually started as like a cabaret show and then they and, and changed it into this big kind of immersive thing. They serve, even on Broadway now, they serve pierogies um, and, and stuff. There's onstage seating. <laughs> so it's a amazing. really different show. It's really breaking the mold of what a Broadway musical is. I would be shocked if Mimi Lean, who's the designer of the show, doesn't win. I'll be even more shocked if director Rachel Chavkin doesn't win for Best Direction of a Musical. Because what they've done is really reinvent how a Broadway house looks. They've extended the stage into the audience so there's there's catwalks probably isn't the right word but there are there are ramps and things that go into the audience they've moved there's been shows that have been on stage seating before but they have literally made it into a 360 degree experience um so if you have some if you have a chance google some pictures of what the broadway set looks like um it's really really fascinating unfortunately Fortunately, it has no chance of winning this award. Um, and, and, yeah. and as much as Groundhog Day has gotten great reviews, I don't think it has as much chance to win either. It's going to come down to the favorite, Dear Evan Hansen, and the the upstart come from away. And um, there's a lot of – I don't – it's almost like when you hear, like, things during um, – like, you know, you've talked about sports. We're both sports fans. Uh, you know, the NFL draft, when, when people are like – Oh, you know, the Cleveland Browns are going to take this player at number mm -hmm. one. And then you start getting disinformation about that player or disinformation about the Browns' intentions. You started to get some people who are starting to talk about whether Ed played by Ben Platt and Dervin Hansen is actually an awful person and he's being made out to be this great character and all this stuff. And it's almost like people are, are trying to pick apart this show. And because it is the front runner, probably the same thing happened with with Hamilton last year a bit too. Um, Jervin Hansen is not obviously as big of a phenomenon as Hamilton was, but the whole point of Jervin Hansen, and and we don't need to get into the whole thing because there's some I don't want to spoil things. Is that that's fine. The point is, is he's not a really super good person, and he's um, he's conflicted about doing something that he knows is wrong. But it gives him the validation that he needs because he kind of is a loner. And, it, and that's the whole point of the show. So the fact that people are now talking about how, oh, it's glorifying this guy making up this terrible You know what? I'll, I'll make a comparison. I'll make a comparison. Have you watched okay. 13 Reasons Why? Have you watched 13 Reasons Why? I have not. I okay. just can't. I watched it. it. It's great. It's fantastic. I just want to say that. But it's the same thing. It's They're saying that show glorifies suicide. It really doesn't when you actually watch it. And you actually... 
pay attention to it, it doesn't. It's the same thing with Dear Hansen. They're saying it glorifies this. Listen to it. I, I've never seen it. I just know the soundtrack. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible for me. It's a story. It's, it's, it's a great story. You're right. Evan Hansen is a jerk. He's an absolute jerk. I'm not going to lie. He is. But that's the point. And, and that's what, what makes Ben Platt's performance so breaking. Because you watch him on stage, and it looks like he is being eaten alive from the inside during this performance because the conflict that he's going through, he's a kid it's who's real. never really had any friends. His dad left his family when he was young. So he doesn't know how to fit in and he's found a way to fit in. That really is essentially a lie, but he knows it's wrong. So that's what the, why his performance, why Ben Platt is probably going to win this award is because it is a very layered performance, which is not something you see all the time in musicals. I mean, I think the last few years has shown that layered nuanced performances in musicals are possible and they are still possible to be commercial successes. Yes. They don't need to be these paper thin musical theater, musical comedy performances. Although those are super fun. They can be a little more deep like this. And um, that's why Dear Evan Hansen, I think is really transcended a little bit is because one, the score by Pascal Paul is, is really strong and really interesting. It's not my favorite Pascal Paul score, but it's good. Um, and it's got a performance that is really, really transcendent. Come From Away is another show that is not a show that you would normally think would be no. the topic of a Broadway musical. <laughs> no. It's about um, a town um, called Gander in Newfoundland, Canada, who on September 11th, 2001 and September 12th, a lot of planes, because they had an airport, were grounded in that town because they're all air flight um, was grounded and people weren't able to get home. So they basically housed these thousands of air passengers in this tiny town during what for many of them was a horrific um, time in their life. I mean, a lot of these people were fl trying to fly into New York or were, you know, were flying, you know, in and around the areas that were affected by the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Um, and this is a show when you give that elevator pitch, you're like, that's a musical why the hell would someone make a musical about that? <laughs> um, but the, this two Canadian writers, they're a married couple. Um, they, they wrote it and, and Irene Sankoff and, Oh, I'm forgetting her husband's name. Hain. But anyway, um, they wrote the show and it's a different sound. It's, it's a little more folky, which is appropriate for Newfoundland. Um, and it's really kind of taken hold again. I, I would put Jeremy Hansen as the favorite here. It's been the favorite since even before it's made its Broadway debut. It's had an out of town tryout in Washington, DC also had a, um, an off Broadway run at second stage. It was at arena stage in, in DC and at second stage off Broadway. So people kind of knew what to get from this one. And so it's been the favorite ever since. So I'd stick with Dear Evan Hansen, but Come From Away has been getting a lot of critical praise and a lot of great word of mouth. And if this kind of I don't know Slate. I saw an article from Slate and this kind of disinformation campaign trying to discredit Evan Hansen as a character has any impact. Maybe it, it loses its grip on the award. Well, I will say this: you said, "Well, how did that? How is that making a musical?" Remember what the biggest musical in the world is right now, and it's the second. No, yeah. Well, and, and this knew, year right? before, if you look, whether Evan Hansen wins or Come From Away wins, which I mean, to be honest with you, even if Natasha Pierre won, the focus of the best musical for the last three years well even four years if you go back to uh gentleman's guide to love and murder right they're not shows that you think of as no, being absolutely not musicals. you'll have whatever wins this year you've got hamilton last year you've got fun home the year before which is based on a graphic novel yeah. about a let's cartoonist who finds out that her dad is also gay and then he commits suicide that's not that doesn't scream broadway musical then the one before you have um uh, the gentleman a gentleman's guide to love and murder which is based on a book about uh, a guy who murders his way to an earldom uh in england and it's it's the music in that is really different it's really unique so i i think what we've seen over the last few years in tony awards voting and also to be honest with you all of those shows were successful i mean they made money uh -huh. and ran for a long time so I think the the appreciation for what Broadway wants you you know we've got a ton of shows that scream tourist trap coming up over the years. Uh -huh. um, we've just <laughs> just you know a Jimmy Buffett musical was just announced coming to Broadway this season. <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants the musical is coming to Broadway this season. Um, Harry, Harry Potter, Potter play, yeah. London coming. Frozen, Frozen is coming. My I, my good uh, good friend of mine uh, Patty Mirren is playing Princess Anna in in Frozen on Broadway. So these are kind of shows that people are like, oh, the Broadway musical is 
being degraded to the bowels <laughs> of pop culture. No, you look at what's actually won awards. These are really creative, high-minded, high-art pieces that just also so happen to appeal to pretty decent audiences too. So I, I think the Broadway musical and Broadway plays are always great, um, but Broadway musicals are in a very strong place and probably in as strong a place as they've been in a long, long time. What's funny is you, you people are saying that about the movie, about the movies becoming shows next year. Um, didn't Green Day have a Broadway show? Like Green Day did that. We had yeah, music. I mean, it, we had, it didn't win anything, but, but it's still, it's it was nominated. Yeah, it was, yeah it, it, it was well liked. It's getting turned into a film for HBO, which I'm looking uh, forward to. Actually, idiot. I'm looking so, forward to that. I'm a big Green Day fan. I'm just throwing it out there. But I, I, I've seen Green Day in concert back so in my college days. So, you know, it's it, it's just we think about this, and a lot of people complain about movie to musical adaptations. But if you look back during the golden age of, of the American musical Rodgers and Hammerstein and all these things, um, Lerner and Lowe most of their ideas weren't original ideas. They were based on previous plays um, or, or books. I mean, if you look, look at Rodgers and Hammerstein, Oklahoma was based on a play called Where, Where Grows the Lilac, and South Pacific was based on um, a James A. Michener book, um, the, the, and The King of Siam. I mean, so they were all based on something. It just so happens now that the prevalent form of pop culture is movies. So if you're going to base a musical off something – Obviously, now that movies are even more popular than they were 50, 60 years ago, you're going to get more movie to musical adaptations. So I've never really understood this complaint that movie musical, movie to musical adaptations are ruining the art form. No, it's just the natural evolution. We still get musicals based on plays. We still get musicals based off books. Um, we still get original ideas. I mean, if you look at it, Come From Away and Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, well, Come From Away is based on historical events. Dear Evan Hansen is a completely new story. Right. Groundhog Day, the musical, is based on a, you know, obviously a, a great movie. Um, and then Natasha Payne, the Great Comet of 1812 is based on a book. So you've got a little bit of everything. So I've never really understood the complaint about that. Um, but, you know, it, I, I kind of like where the musical is going right now. Yeah, and it's a nice variety. All there is is a nice variety. Absolutely. On that note, um, we actually went over the time. He said we were going to go. I didn't realize what time it was. I will That's let right. you go, Matt. I appreciate coming on the show. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. That's our show for today. That was a fun one. That was a really a lot of fun. Background music you heard in Journey to the Past from Anastasia. Um, a show that was kind of forgotten in Tony Nods, but I have to recognize it because I love Anastasia. So we're going to close out the show with that. Our show is part of the Filling the Void podcast network. We're also at theblakeandsalshow.com. Everything, I'm not going to repeat all this twice because Sal's in here, so I'm not going to repeat all this twice. So here we go. We're available on Speaker Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also, go to theblakeandsalshow.com for more information on this show, all past shows, pre-Filling the Void, and post. And um, on iTunes or anywhere, please leave a rating and review, and we're reading it on the show. All right, here's what's going on next week. Wednesday night, we will be live at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. Now, as I mentioned in the, um, I was talking to Matt, I, <laughs> I'm recording this on Thursday. I don't know the results of Game 5. I'm rooting for the Predators. Hopefully they win Game 5. This is going to post on Friday morning. If they win Game 5, Game 6 is Sunday. Now, I'm well aware, Game 7 is Wednesday. We will still be doing a show no matter what. Personally, I'm hoping the Preds win, and I don't have to worry about this problem. But the show will still go on Wednesday at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. Might be a little shorter if we have to do with the Game 7, but hopefully we don't have that problem. Go Preds. Now, also, next Friday, one week from today, you will hear our NHL Awards preview show that uh, me, Sal, and Mike recorded. And it's definitely a lot of fun. If you love hearing us laugh, have a good time, and mess up Russian names, You'll definitely enjoy next week's show. That show will go up the morning of our boy Scotty's wedding. So, woohoo for that. All right. So, that being said, on behalf of Mike Tamanetti, BroadwayWorld.com and Broadway Radio Podcast Daily Show. This Today in Broadway, a fantastic show you should listen to. If you're a Broadway guy and want to hear you, how knowledgeable he was here, he does it every day, Monday to Friday, about 20 minutes to a half hour every day. It's worth listening to. I personally listen to it every day, so worth it. So on behalf of Matt, I'm Blake. So I'll be back on Wednesday and next Friday. You've been listening to 
the Blake and Sal Show. Have a good day, everyone. Yeah.